This is More Better Days, the podcast where I teach people with chronic illness how to use thought work and coaching to radically improve their quality of life. If you're tired of chronic symptoms dominating your life and you want to learn how to get unstuck and actually start to thrive, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Misha Delaney, certified life coach and mind-body syndrome practitioner. I'll show you how to make your mind your most powerful asset in your healing journey. It's time to break through the limitations and build a vibrant, abundant, and joyful life alongside chronic illness. Are you ready? I know I am. Let's dive in. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to More Better Days. This is episode number four, and I am sitting here. I'm in my home office. The sun is shining, and there's also a crispness in the air, too. This time of year always puts me in a good mood. It is my favorite autumn. Love it. But I'm also in a good mood because I am really happy that I get to work on this episode today. Now, listen, I got to tell you about the past week because it has been really challenging for me. And I'm a big fan of authenticity and really letting people know where I'm at. It drives me crazy in coaching podcasts or self-development podcasts where the host in every opening is like, hello, everybody. I'm fantastic. I'm doing great. Uh, You know, that just kind of gets an eye roll from me because it doesn't acknowledge uh, just, you know, life. We're not always fantastic. And coaching and inner work and thought work, it's not about being great all the time. It's about navigating life and being with all of the emotions and really having a full and complete human experience. And so that is why I'm going to tell you about the challenging week that I had. I've been working really hard. I'm growing my business. I am working on this podcast, which is a lot of work, and I'm really learning a lot about how to be a small business owner and a podcast host and an entrepreneur and all of the things. And yeah, it's stressful, but I also have to tell you that it's really rewarding to see the work that I'm putting into achieving these big goals really starting to come to fruition. And a lot of these are goals that I set over a year ago. And this is where the challenging part comes in. I have so many ideas running through my head all the time that my sleep has been really disrupted this past week. And I am waking up in these absolutely ridiculous positions. And I totally threw my back out just by sleeping in these weird positions. And I am talking ribs are out of place, vertebrae are twisting in weird ways. I'm working with a chiropractor and doing all of the things, but it has been really painful and unexpected because I haven't had back problems for a few years. And also, this is just terrible timing. I record these episodes a few weeks before they air, so this is the week before the podcast actually launches, and there's so much to do. But there never really is ideal timing for pain and discomfort, right? So I had so much that I wanted to do this past week, 
And instead, I had to redirect a lot of my time and energy into managing this really intense acute pain and helping my body get back to its baseline while still getting some work done. And all of that has been really challenging for me. But as I've moved through my week, I noticed something. Despite the unexpected injury and pain, I have been navigating all of it with a certain type of flow and ease that really allowed me to show up for myself, heal, and not get totally derailed by the situation. And it's given me an opportunity to reflect on how much I've grown in the past few years and witness my mind-body resilience in action during a really challenging and stressful moment. And this has me thinking a lot about resilience in general. So I'm going to take today's episode and talk about resilience because it's relevant in this moment in my life and it's also a core topic and focus of this podcast and my work as a coach. Now, you might want to start, you know, not maybe a drinking game, but like a snacking game because you're going to hear me say the word resilience many times. I have a little bit of a lisp, but I am doing the best I can. So every time you hear me say the word resilience, you know, take a sip of coffee, have a handful of popcorn, and we can make a game out of it. But there's a lot of great things that I want to share with you today, and it's all about resilience. So let's dive in, shall we? All right, we're taking a quick break for me to jump in and say, if you are excited about what you're learning today and you're ready to take the next step towards getting unstuck, getting back in control of your life and starting to thrive, please go to morebetterdayspodcast.com. There you'll find free resources on how to get started. And don't forget to follow me and say hello on Instagram at at Misha Delaney. You'll find links in today's episode notes. Okay, back to the show. Let's start with a top level definition of resilience. Resilience is the ability to navigate, adapt, and learn from adversity and challenging circumstances. It's also the ability to maintain and return to a baseline that is both emotionally and physically functional. And I believe that cultivating resilience is one of the most important elements of learning how to thrive alongside chronic illness. Because let's face it, living with chronic pain, illness, and ongoing medical conditions is really challenging and stressful. And the whole point of my work is teaching you how to navigate those waters and learn how to surf the waves. Now, what I really love about resilience is that in its nature, the concept of resilience acknowledges that adversity, negative emotions, and difficult circumstances are a natural and expected part of life. A key feature of resilience is acceptance. Acceptance that suffering is a part of the human experience. Accepting that there will be sunny days and stormy days and knowing how to not drown when the bad weather hits. Resilience is intentional. It's founded on love and acceptance of yourself and it's a quiet power like the undercurrent in a deep, wide 
river. It's that ease and flow that I mentioned that I experienced this week while navigating my back injury. And your resilience will ebb and flow, and that's in its nature, but the point is to cultivate it so you can prevent yourself from running on an empty emotional and physical tank. Now, in this episode, I'm going to focus on emotional and physical resilience and how they work together to form mind-body resilience. Here's the cool thing that I want you to know from the get-go. Resilience isn't a gift that a select few are born with. It's not a trait of extraordinary people. It's actually quite ordinary and very common. So let's start with physical resilience because I think it's fascinating and really cool and it's a good, clean example of how resilience is a common part of the human experience. Physical resilience is something that our animal bodies know how to do naturally. For example, when we experience a trauma, our bodies will shake or tremble after the trauma has ended. And what this is, is your limbic system down-regulating itself and releasing remaining tension so your body can return to an equilibrium. Another example is when we experience acute stress. So let's say you're driving and a car swerves into your lane. This is what your body does. Adrenaline is released, your heart rate goes up, your pupils dilate. All of these are physical enhancements to help you respond quickly and avoid a crash. And once the situation has ended, your body will slowly come back to its baseline. That is physical resilience. Or let's say you get a small cut on your finger and it heals within a week. That's another example of physical resilience. Your body knows how to respond in an adaptive and beneficial way to changes and challenges. Now, I do want to note something here, which is that if you're living with chronic medical conditions, your physical resilience might look different from the examples that I just gave. So for example, I have dysautonomia, which means that my autonomic nervous system is less effective and less efficient than your average bear. And that is fine because I can still think of examples when my nervous system has naturally managed itself and brought me back to my own baseline. So if your body responds and adapts differently from the examples that I've just given, that's fine. And actually, I think it's kind of fantastic because it's simply further evidence that our bodies will find ways to be resilient that work uniquely for us. Okay, so that's an introduction to physical resilience. Let's move on to mental and emotional resilience. Mental and emotional resilience are not exactly the same, but they're deeply intertwined. And so for the ease of this introductory conversation, I am gonna use them interchangeably. Emotional resilience is the ability to adapt and grow in the face of adversity, trauma, and pain. It is a set of qualities and skills that relate to emotional agility and a flexible mindset. It's the ability to spring back and return to an emotional equilibrium when the going gets tough. Now, some people call this bounce back ability, and I think that is a really fun word, but it conjures up an image of like a hard rubber ball for me. 
And if you ever played with rubber balls when you were a kid and you would throw one on the ground, it would bounce back, but it would bounce back in a really chaotic and often unpredictable direction. And true resilience is much more intentional than just throwing a rubber ball at a wall and trying to catch it on the bounce back. So I want to conjure a different metaphor. I think true resilience is more about softness, flexibility, and flow. And I prefer to picture my own resilience as a river. A river flows to the shape of the land, but it also shapes the land in return. No matter what twists and turns it encounters, the nature of the river remains the same. A river doesn't react to a boulder in its path. It flows around it. It takes the path of least resistance, and the river continues on its way. Or, if you prefer a different metaphor, there's the wisdom of the common saying, the bamboo that bends is stronger than the oak that resists. Mental and emotional resilience is a skill that we can learn and deepen. And I believe that resilience is an active state of being. It's not just one feature of who you are, rather it's that collection of skills and habits that we use to thrive as we navigate life. And that is why I'm so fascinated by this idea of mind-body resilience. It's the integration of our body's natural physical resilience combined with the intentional emotional resilience that you can cultivate. And they come together to create a positive feedback loop that supports each other. Mental and physical resilience don't exist separately from each other. They go hand in hand, and learning how to weather the storm of chronic illness and resource yourself on really challenging days can make all the difference in the world. Emotional resilience teaches your brain how to access a sense of safety, and that directly impacts your entire nervous system which then impacts how you experience sensations in your body, like pain and fatigue and other physical discomfort. So the more we cultivate our abilities for resilience from a mental and emotional perspective, we are in turn supporting our biological and physical resilience at the same time. Now here's something that I've noticed. Sometimes people confuse resilience with stoicism. And stoicism is enduring pain or hardship without displaying feelings of discomfort or negative emotion. And that is essentially resistance to reality. And we can only resist challenging emotions for so long. They get bottled up inside and eventually they just spill over and then we are in a state of reactivity. So if you struggle to manage your mental and emotional responses in challenging situations, you are in a state of reactivity, not resilience. So how can you tell the difference? One way to identify if you're in a state of reactivity or resistance is if you find yourself constantly trying to maintain the status quo in your life. And that can look like walking on eggshells, trying not to trigger a flare, over planning for future events, canceling commitments at the last minute, people pleasing and not setting boundaries is a good example. Essentially, you're trying to prevent something uncomfortable before it's even happened. 
it's kind of like that vibe when you're walking through the house and your sweater catches on a doorknob and you just completely fall apart. Now, the good news is that you can choose to show up in a different way. And it isn't about pushing through emotions and ignoring negative feelings and only being positive. It's about finding proactive ways to resource yourself and adapt. And that's where activating resilience comes in. So when you're feeling stressed, I want you to pay attention and get curious. Does your response to the stress feel like resilience or resistance? Are you being intentional or are you being reactive? And if it turns out that you are being reactive or you are being resistant, that is okay. And it's actually a good thing to identify when you're in that mind space because we can't shift something until we acknowledge and name it. We go through this practice of observing and naming it, not so that we can be hard on ourselves, but because naming resistance and reactivity is an empowering and pivotal moment. For real, it is a pivotal moment because this is when you open the door to make a choice about what you want to do next. Because here's the thing, stressful things happen, pain happens, things we're afraid of, they are going to happen in our lives. And if we're resilient, we can be intentional about how we respond to them. And it's how we respond that shapes our true experience. Okay, so am I starting to sell you on resilience yet? At the very least, I'm guessing that you can see that this is a topic that I'm really passionate and curious about. But here's the question, how do you actually cultivate mind-body resilience? Now, as I said earlier, it's not just one singular thing. And of course, some of the best things in life are not simple. Resilience is a collection of skills. And that's why I wanted to talk about it as an overarching concept early on in the podcast, because my approximation is that 99.99999% of the topics, tips, and exercises that I give you throughout this entire podcast are going to be resilience skills. So you're going to be learning along the way, and you can use what you learn in this episode to keep that in mind as we move forward. We'll learn about different types of adversity, living with chronic illness, and also outside of living with chronic illness, and we'll see which skills are most useful in different circumstances. But today, let's start with some basics. I wanna give you something tangible. Here is a specific example of the neuroscience of how managing your mindset towards stress or adversity increases resilience. And it all begins in the amygdala, which is located deep in the brain in the frontal lobe. I'm guessing you've probably heard of it. The amygdala processes fearful and stressful stimuli, and it mediates fear conditioning. It has extensive connections throughout your brain, and it coordinates an unconscious, primitive stress reaction throughout both your brain and your body. So in the presence of a stressor, the amygdala can rapidly alter your behavior, such as fight, flight, and freeze. Now, this can be really helpful if an immediate threat is happening. 
So I live in Colorado, I go hiking. So I'm gonna use the example of a puma or a mountain lion stalking you on a hike as an immediate threat. If you are being stalked by a puma, that is not a good sign and your physical well-being and life could be threatened. So here's the problem though. Your amygdala is not so great at discerning the difference between a puma stalking you and something more mundane and not physically threatening like, let's say, a work deadline. But the good news is that we can regulate our amygdala by engaging higher parts of our brain that process conscious thought. So if our amygdala is always firing and thinking that everything is a threat, we're not gonna feel very good in our bodies. So of course you want it to do its job when you're on a hike and a puma is stalking you, but you also want to cultivate resilience to know how to downregulate your amygdala and have a different response in situations that don't pose an immediate threat. Neuroscientific research shows that your beliefs and mindset about the meaning of stress can either enhance or reduce the negative effects of stress on the brain and body. And that's because engaging with an intentional belief activates your prefrontal cortex and it also activates executive functioning. So the act of believing something intentional, it turns down the volume on the reactivity of your amygdala by rerouting what part of your brain is responding to the stressor. Having an intentional thought is going to reroute your response from the amygdala to the prefrontal cortex. So in the example of this study, we're talking about stress. Now, if somebody has a mindset that stress is always a bad thing, they're going to have not so great outcomes. But a helpful reframe of the mindset could be something like, Stress in normal situations is healthy and useful, and it can facilitate performance and promote resourcing. All right, so let's see here. Facilitate performance and promote resourcing. That sounds a little bit like resilience, right? Well, studies show that moderate levels of stress builds resilience in a way that isn't possible with low or no adversity. One of the key ways that I coach people on cultivating their own mind-body resilience is by using thought work exercises. Thought work is a process of observing your thoughts, kind of like being the watcher as I've described in other episodes. So you're observing your thoughts and then you're managing your thoughts and you're managing your mind. That's the essence of thought work. So the reframe that they used in the study that I just described, choosing to think of moderate stress as useful and healthy, that is a form of thought work. So let's pull it all together and I'm gonna give you an example of how you can use thought work to grow your resilience in relationship to living with chronic illness. So a common type of adversity and stress that people with chronic illness face is the presence of uncomfortable and painful symptoms. It could be chronic pain, fatigue, brain fog, or a more specific symptom that you experience on a regular basis. When a symptom is flared and really screaming at you, it can be really hard to function, let alone thrive. 
And nine times out of 10, you're not just navigating the stress of the physical sensation of the symptom, but you're also navigating the stories you're telling yourself about the symptom and all the difficult emotions that can arise in response to those stories. Emotions like fear, frustration, shame, anger, sadness, and grief. And those emotions, they get mixed in with the physical symptom and they create a feedback loop where your emotions are making your symptom worse and that in turn intensifies the emotions and it just goes on and on as a vicious cycle. Well, I have good news. Introducing thought work in this situation can turn down the intensity of your symptoms so that you can figure out how you want to adapt and move through the pain and discomfort in a state of mind-body resilience. So how do you do this? By going through a process of awareness, acceptance, reframing, and action. Now, that might sound like a lot, me just listing those things off, but you don't have to figure this out on your own because I have an amazing resource to help you get started. It's called the Better Day Workbook. It guides you through each phase of awareness, acceptance, reframing, and action to kickstart and deepen your resilience when a symptom flare is taking over your day. It has a series of thought work prompts that will get you back in a mind space of empowerment and intention. And this workbook is totally free. I put a lot of love and a lot of time into creating it, and it's useful if you're a beginner at thought work or if you have lots of experience. I still use the steps and tools in the Better Day Workbook on a weekly basis. I used it this week to help me stay balanced and intentional while addressing my back injury. And the reason why I'm telling you to go download the workbook instead of describing the exercises here is that I believe that thought work is more effective and transformative when it's guided and structured. And a workbook is an excellent way to do this. And for this process, there's multiple steps and I want you to have that guide and a place to write it all down. When you get your thoughts out of your brain and in writing, it's easier to observe, learn, and initiate change in your life. Now, if your condition prevents you from writing or typing, that's okay. Use the prompts in the workbook and answer them out loud. You could dictate them in a notes app on your phone, or you could record your answers as a voice recording, but just don't keep the answers in your brain. If you're really curious about getting unstuck and learning how to thrive, this is an amazing resource. I believe in it so much. I use it myself and I want you to have it and use it too. So go to morebetterdayspodcast.com to get your copy of the Better Day Workbook and you'll be using the same tools that I use to cultivate your own mind-body resilience. Links are also in the show notes for today. And I hope that this episode has inspired you to get curious and excited about how resilience can be the key to unlocking a life of thriving alongside chronic illness. 
Let me know your thoughts on resilience by sending me a message on Instagram. My handle is at Misha Delaney. And I look forward to seeing you at next week's episode of More Better Days. All right, my friend, that's everything I've got for you today. But I do have a favor to ask. If you enjoyed this show, please help me on my mission of bringing more empowerment and agency into the lives of people with chronic illness by helping me get the word out. All you need to do is hit that follow button and write a review of the podcast. It only takes a moment, but your action will have a ripple effect in spreading the word to people who are yet to discover more better days. And also, don't forget to share today's episode with a friend too. And if you're ready to take action towards getting unstuck and starting to thrive, go to morebetterdayspodcast.com. There you'll find free resources on how to get started. And you can also follow me on Instagram at at Misha Delaney for inspiration and approachable tips that you can use on the daily to develop your mind-body resilience. You can find links to everything I just mentioned in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope today is one of the better days.